0: Listening to Married to the Ministry, which is part of the Love Worth Finding Podcast Network. If you are a pastor's wife looking for encouragement or for practical wisdom on how to manage all the challenges of your role with a smile on your face, we're so glad you're here. This is your host, Janet Addison, and I'd like to help you embrace truth and delight in your ministry life. I've just made some yummy hot tea, so why don't you grab a cup and let's chat for a while? Hi there, and thanks for hanging out with me today. I hope you're having a great day, delighted in the abundant life we have in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 tells us to encourage one another and build one another up. And that's what I want to think about with you today, encouraging each other in our role as ministry wives. Do you have another woman in your life who's teaching you how to be a good pastor's wife? Have you ever been mentored in your role, or are you having to figure it all out by yourself as you go along? Recently, I talked with Gina Floyd, who is the wife of Dr. Ronnie Floyd, about how ministry wives can encourage one another. Greg served on Dr. Floyd's staff a few years ago, and Gina quickly became one of my favorite people. I love her. In addition to being fun, and she has the cutest clothes, cutest sense of style, and uh, but she's also tenderhearted and kind. And Gina is passionate about encouraging women who serve alongside their husbands in ministry. She's intentional about connecting with other pastors' wives, praying for them, listening to them, um, and just, you know, supporting them. And Gina has been a pastor's daughter a pastor's wife, and a pastor's mother, so she understands our role and has lots of wisdom to share. So here is some of our conversation, and I hope you'll be blessed by Gina's sweetheart and her words of encouragement. So welcome, Gina. Thank you, Janet. It's wonderful to be here with you and get to see you face to face. I know, I know. (laughs) And uh, we uh, are only about an hour and 15 minutes away now, so I get to drive through the uh, beautiful Arkansas Ozark Hills to come see you. So this was a real treat. Yes, it is a treat. And then we get to do lunch after. So, Amen, <laughs> yes. Lunch yes. after. I know. So um, Gina is married to Dr. Ronnie Floyd, and they have been in ministry how long? Your whole married life, I guess, have you? Our entire married life, yes. Yes. 46 years. 46 years, wow. Okay, so you knew going in that you were going to be... A pastor's wife, I guess. You you knew going into marriage that your husband was going to be a pastor.
1: Well, I was actually raised in a pastor's home, and I grew up saying, I'll never marry a pastor. Oh. <laughs> so, um, but I did, and I have no regrets. And I said that more in jest than anything, because I wouldn't want to have done any other thing.
0: So tell us a little bit about where y'all have served, a little bit about your family. I know you got two two great boys.
1: Yes, we spent um, most of our younger life in Texas, both born and raised there, met at Howard Payne University in Brownwood, Texas, and we married and then served in several smaller churches. And then God called us to Arkansas and um, have it to be, but now... Thirty-three years later, at this same church, um, we served, never intending to think that God would keep us here that long, but He did, and He had a great and masterful plan for us, and we've thoroughly enjoyed being here, and this is home to us for sure. We have two sons, Josh and Nick, and Josh is married to Kate, and they have three wonderful teenage boys now. <laughs> Nick is married to Meredith, and they have four children ranging from 8 to 16. So they are really, really busy. Both families are. Uh, Josh is a head football coach in Alabama right outside of Birmingham.
0: And y'all are a football family. We
1: are a football (laughs) family. Yes. And um, all of our grandsons play, which are four, three of Josh's play and one of Nick and Meredith's. Their only son plays football. So yes, football season is getting started <laughs> and we could not be more happy about it. So we'll be spending a lot of time on the road going back and forth to Alabama and watching Beckham here. But um, upon our departure and calling to go and do something else, um, our son, Nick, who was already on our staff, became the senior pastor, and so... Now, this
0: is Cross Church here in Northwest Arkansas, Yes, and y'all started at First Baptist Springdale here, and then as, I guess, as this whole area exploded, your church exploded. How long was uh, Dr. Floyd at that church? Cross Church? Yeah, at y'all's church.
1: 32, almost 33 years. Okay,
0: almost 33 years. So it grew... Yeah, they have multiple campuses now. Yes,
1: and that's the reason for the name change. Mm-hmm. It was it started out as uh, First Baptist Church Springdale, and then as we continued to add campuses, it kind of became just a, a challenge in publication and mm-hmm. everything. And so we renamed the church Cross Church. Now it's just Cross Church at whatever location they're at so it's it's a lot clearer and then people just
0: choose the location
1: that's Mm -hmm. closest to them usually
0: so when y'all uh stepped out of the pastorate to do another arm of ministry nick took over yes Um, so now your son is your pastor. My son <laughs> is my pastor. Yes, wow. that is correct. That's pretty unusual to not only be raised in a pastor's home, to be a pastor's wife, and now to be your pastor's mother. That There's probably not a whole lot of ladies out no, there wearing all those hats.
1: No, it's highly unusual. And also the transition of the state from uh, the church from Ronnie's leadership to Nick's leadership has really been a huge blessing. The church is thriving. We could not be more pleased. It is a joy to be back in Arkansas with Nick and Meredith mm-hmm. and to be able to worship in a church that we loved for so many for so many years right. and love so many of the people and have so much history here. So it's truly been a joy and we are grateful for or the way the lord has made that transition in the church
0: just very seamless and um, just thriving it is and we we have enjoyed watching Nick do a great job too with with y'all's great church so and and that's an um, I don't know maybe another topic sometime is how how to transition out of not being the pastor's wife anymore. That's 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 another whole topic, but I yes, know that is. <laughs> is a that's quite an adjustment. I've been there and done mm-hmm. that too and yes. people aren't always quite sure what to do with you when you're right. not the pastor and wife anymore. Exactly. But. We'll save that for another time. Another time, another podcast. (laughs) But one of the things that I love about you is how encouraging you are and how uh, joyful you are. And I guess I want my first question to be, what brings you joy as a pastor's wife? What are some of your, you know, something that's one of your favorite things or so?
1: I think one of my favorite things through the years was watching young staff wives
0: blossom
1: um, in their role as whatever ministry their husband specifically felt called to, is seeing them grow into who they are as women, and most of them are mothers. We did have young enough we had we would have newly marrieds on our staff that did not have children and just watching them grow and develop and gain confidence to learn how to walk by their husbands side and yet not lose their own personal identity mm-hmm. And um, one thing that I saw, because we served for so many years, is that as the church has changed so much, so radically in the last few years, many years ago, it was assumed that a pastor's wife or a minister's wife had been raised in church and knew all about church and church life and spiritual things. But what we found is there are many wives who come into ministry. Some of them didn't even think they were going to to marry a minister, but find themselves as ministers' wives and may not have even been raised in a Christian home, may have been saved in college or in high school and did not have that Bringing in the um, kind of relationship with a local church that some other women have had, and I've seen that. So they're having to learn more.
0: church in addition to yes, yeah, ministry.
1: So they've got church going on, marriage going on, life going on, and it can be really overwhelming and intimidating. I think there's a certain there's a certain image that church members place on staff wives, and I would th- think most of it is. Good. but sometimes as staff wives, they try to measure up to something and they don't even really know what that is. Mm -hmm. And it puts them under a lot of pressure. And that that would be another thing, is helping those wives find their true calling. Most of the time, they walked alongside their husband in ministry, particularly like a youth pastor. His wife would be very involved in the
0: youth ministry. Or she'd never see him.
1: (laughs) Yes, or she'd never see him, exactly. And um, but that they also can have a personal calling to another area. Myself, I'll give myself a quick example. Ronnie was the senior pastor, and I walked by his side in everything I could. But I also felt called to just, I'll just mention a couple of things. One was our local jail ministry through our church. And I loved serving in our jail ministry. And that had nothing to do with Ronnie. Mm-hmm. But that was a call on my life for a season. And then, And I also led the cancer support group in our church for nine years. That was a significant call on my life separate from Ronnie being called as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And so giving these young ministers' wives the freedom to grow and bloom and blossom and get comfortable and see them succeed in what God's called them to do, that's a huge blessing. Mm -hmm. And because our staff was so young and always has been young, you know, we have a lot of turnover on our staff. They go to serve in different positions and seeing that timid little young woman who could hardly stand to lead in silent prayer to become the pastor's wife where they leave and go and to see her blossom and use her giftedness. That's a real joy. And I've seen that over and over again. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a lot of daughters, a lot of spiritual ministry wives all over the country, um, because I just loved investing in them.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and our husbands served together for a short time and I was able to to see your heart for encouraging pastors wives and and ministry wives and it, it's one of those you know I've heard said there's not really a job description for being a ministry wife you know and I guess that's going to look different wherever you are and whoever you happen to be married to but we all share some common insecurities and fears and you know, just all that. So it's always good to have somebody cheering us on. You're a really good cheerleader.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I want to be. I do want to be that.
0: Well, you said y'all have been married for 46 years, and you know, most of that's been seminary and ministry, pastoring. So I would imagine over the years you've encountered some struggles or challenges. So I wondered if there was something you might share about maybe how God sustained you through a difficult season or some challenge that um, that you were able to to overcome or you know sometimes we don't get to overcome them sometimes the Lord just does sustain them sustain us through it so do you have something
1: well a couple of things come to mind one is very personal and the other would be more general but relating I would think to almost every ministry wife the first thing would be a difficult season for us personally and I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1990 and I was 35 and um, our boys were young and it was a complete shock there was no breast cancer in our family and yet I found myself um, as a very young woman with that diagnosis but um, what that did was amazing in our church of course everybody knew but our church really became our family at that time. We did not live close to our family. All of our families were in Texas. Still, how long
0: had y'all been at the church when this occurred? We
1: moved to the church in eighty six. Okay,
0: so y'all were in the yeah. still in the growing yes, and building we were, phase. Yeah,
1: we were still what we would say fairly new. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was a real bonding between pastor and people, I would say that. So in spite of the fact that it was extremely difficult uh, for us during that time to, you know, walk through that, the surgery, the chemotherapy, the radiation, but um, our church was Wonderful. And usually the pastor and wife are the ones who are giving and ministering. And we found ourselves being ministered to. And so that was, um, as hard as it was, It was life-changing, and I wouldn't change it now on this side. The Lord gives me opportunities even to this day to minister to women with breast cancer, and so I am highly grateful for that and grateful for the number of years that He spared my life. That's been 33 years, and so I have much to be thankful for. I think the other thing that probably every minister's wife uh, can relate to, I'm just... But like 99% sure that they're all going to be nodding their heads when they hear this. And that was the personal struggle of people leaving
0: the church. Mm, Greg and I were talking about that yesterday. Yeah, it is so,
1: so hard. And it I, I
0: realized
1: and I talk about this in my book, I realize that sometimes people leave the church because of conflict with you or the leadership or whatever. But you know, there are times when people leave the church and it has nothing to do with you or that the church failed them in some way. It just is dependent on the circumstances in their life. So I think as I grew to understand that it wasn't always a failure on either our part or the part of the church. It helped me to understand. It's more difficult, I think, to bear when they leave angry and unhappy. But um, when Ronnie was the pastor, he would always try to meet with them personally, and see if they could come to resolve or a solution, you know, and
0: sometimes, sometimes they just sneak out the back door. Yes, true. Yes, (laughs) they do. And you hear
1: about it later. That is true, too. Yes. So, you know, you have to deal with it. I think every, every time somebody leaves, you're going to have to deal with it differently. And I took it really hard Personally, emotionally, and um, it would beat me down, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. And I just had to learn and grow through that. And you know what else? Sometimes God removes people and there is a purging, and you look back and you think, that was really good that they left. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people who want to create problems, they need to leave and go somewhere else. And so just trusting God in the midst of it all, um, coming back to that daily quiet time with Him. Trusting Him, um, you know, just walking through it. I, you know, there's not really any way to walk through it easily. You just you just get in the mud, and you just keep on trudging, trudging through it. Yeah.
0: Well, and we've learned, too, that you can't continue to grieve the people who are no longer part of your church family. You just have That's to good. love the ones yes. that are there. Yeah. And, um, you know, but it is—you you can't help but take it personally sometimes, so—
1: I have told ministry wives, though, through the years, if someone's mad in their particular ministry or whatever, I just encourage them, don't let those few ruin the joy and the experience of working with the others, the majority who are for you and are working hard alongside with you. So don't let those few taint what you think about the church overall because then you become bitter and resentful and ineffective which is ultimately what the enemy wants. And so we don't want him to win. So we're going to press on and work with those who God leaves us. And that's a good word. You cannot grieve forever. Those who have left your church and on kind of a funny side note, when you stay as long as we did, you see some leave and you see see them come come back. (laughs) so that's true you just never know and Ronnie has always said never let anyone outside your circle of love and that's the way we've tried to live and therefore how you respond to those people may determine whether or not they feel the freedom to come back at a later time so just leaving the door open it's easier said than done but just leaving that door open and forgiving and moving on Mm -hmm. that's a good word
0: well You mentioned a minute ago um, your book and I do want to highlight that your book is called 10 Things Every Minister's Wife Needs to Know. And I did want to focus the bulk of our conversation on um, encouraging minister's wives. And I want to refer to uh, start off with something that I read in your book that I thought was, was really good. For many minister's wives, it can be hard to separate the issue of who you are in Christ and who you're married to and what He does for a living. And since I've <clears throat> been married to a man who was not a pastor before he became a pastor, I guess my perspective is a little different because I was always just Greg's wife. You know, Greg went off to his job and, and I did whatever I was doing as a wife and a mother and a, a Christ follower. But then when he became a minister, nobody really told me that, okay, now your your role has got to change. And um, and I was real nervous about that because I didn't really know any pastor's <laughs> lives and I didn't know what that was supposed to look like. But I know women do struggle with who they are. And you alluded to that a minute ago, the things that you have done just as a believer and as in your giftings and your passions that God had put on your heart that had nothing to do with what your husband was doing right in his right. job. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to encourage maybe a, a lady who is a new minister's wife when she's grappling with, okay, what does that mean for me? Is I going to change the way I have to parent or change... What I have to do at church, you know, because I've well, I'll let you start first. (laughs) in
1: my opinion, okay? Well, first of all, I want to say I truly believe that it is a great time uh, to be a minister's wife. Uh, My mother was a pastor's wife, and there were a lot more expectations and just demands on her that I never felt as a pastor's wife. but I, And I saw her serve faithfully for over 50 years and do well, but the world has changed, and it's changed in a good way. And pastor's wives, better than ever before, I think, can be who they are in Christ, and yet support their husbands. And so I want to encourage any minister's wife that you can be who God called you to be. And you know, that's based on your personal walk with Christ and His calling. Now, if you don't have that on a regular basis, you may really flounder about your identity. But when you base your identity in Christ, then He will show you. I remember specifically when God called me to our jail ministry. It was through a video on a Sunday morning as we had a kind of a fall preview of ministries in our church. And I looked at that video and God quickened my heart and said, I want you to be a part of that. And I knew immediately, but our hearts have to be sensitive to what God might be calling us to do. And the only way we get to do that is when we walk with Christ. We can't depend on our husband's walk. And so at the same time, I think you can be so um, committed to your husband, to his ministry, that you don't have to make it be a loss to you, but it's an addition to you. Look at it as a positive. Most people really admire their pastor's wife or their minister's wives, their youth minister's wife. You know, you're in such an influential position in such a positive way and you've got eyes looking at you and it's not in condemnation they're just looking to you and so god has gifted you and placed you in positions where you can use that for his glory what a wonderful thing and especially when you find out your true giftedness individually you have the influence as a minister's wife as some other people don't do. And one thing that I feel, um, and and I talk about this in the book, not in that chapter, but just being visible by your husband's side. You don't have to be that person that's always at a microphone, or always leading a ministry, or always doing this or that. A minister's wives can get busy about nothing and be miserable, but I really feel like when you find what God's called you to do, then you'll be fulfilled because he's gifted you in that way but at the same time walk alongside of your husband and sometimes that may be just visually being there just let people see you with your husband don't be two separate people that they never see together visual it's visual and that will um, decrease I think the demands of who is she what is she where is she why isn't she around just being visible will go a long way, and I just think it's a great time, Mm -hmm. but you got to walk with Jesus to find out.
0: Well, and the whole visible you're talking about, my mind immediately goes to two separate occasions where somebody came up to me and said, I watched how y'all were sitting together in the pew. And I was blessed by seeing the affection between you. And my first thought was, well, shoot. I don't <laughs> want people looking at me during the church and seeing, uh-huh. you know, are we holding hands? You guys, oh, my, <laughs> or are we sitting too far apart? Yes. But on the other hand, that really did impress on my heart that I don't have to be in front of the microphone.
1: No. In
0: front of the room. No. For people to be watching. Yes. How does the pastor and his wife do marriage? How do they, you know, that kind of stuff. So being visible.
1: Yes. What a blessing. You see, God's allowed you and Greg to be in that position of leadership and leadership demands responsibility, but it's not a burden of responsibility. It's a blessing to be able to show the world what a Christian marriage should look like. Not perfection, but what does a right, Christian it's marriage not
0: perfection
1: <laughs> look days. like, you know? And the world is crying out inside the church and outside the church to see true marriage. And so, yes, sometimes we feel a little in the fishbowl, but yet what an opportunity to be transparent in those ways that we're honest to ourselves. You and Greg weren't putting on a show.
0: No, we were just being us. You're just sitting there being y'all.
1: And so God used that just being visible, being present, being together. I love it. Some of the most influential couples in our lives have been pastor and wife, and where it's both of their names not just one. And I know that doesn't always happen.
0: Well, I know some denominations, the pastor and his wife are called, You know, they're yes. they're both up there on the billboard. Yes. yes. <laughs> as you they pass are. the church yes. or you know, mm-hmm. it's uh Yes a lot of them do serve because we are serving together, whether we're, you know, got a business card saying it or not. Right.
1: I would just say, take every advantage of that and then deal with the disadvantages. You know, being a minister's wife is no different than other professions. I watch my daughter-in-law as a coach's wife,
0: talk about hours and <laughs> hours and hours away from home. Yes, yeah, away from um, the family.
1: So you know, I I have a close friend who's a doctor's wife. You know, let's don't think that ministry life is the only vocation that has challenges. So there, are, or that your husband is distracted by yes, work a lot. Yes, yes, because yes, they are, and so are other husbands in different professions. Yes, so.
0: you're exactly right. You mentioned you grew up in a pastor's home what did did you see your mother do that you do emulate in your ministry you know how 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 has growing up in the pastor's home impact your role as a pastor's wife cuz i know you had a sweet good mama.
1: (laughs) I did have a sweet mama who's in heaven now. And my parents were wonderful. We didn't go through rebellion, my brother and I, we did not go through a rebellion against the church or anything like that. I've always loved the church. There's never been a time in my life when I did not love the local church. But during that decade, many decades ago, as I said, the pastor's wife, everybody thought she should do everything. And I saw Play my the mother, piano, yes, teach the <laughs> yes mission friends. do vacation Bible mm-hmm. school. Back in those years, it was lead the WMU. And my mother, what I know now later, is that my mother was an extreme introvert. And so it took a toll on her because she was expected to do more than she could really handle. My mother was a quiet person. She was faithful for all those years, and she did walk by my father's side, faithfully and, and with joy, but when I saw her um, not have to carry all of that, It was good for her. That's why I say it's much better today than it used to be. The expectations are totally different.
0: Well, I know there are a lot of women. I mean, I'm... I wouldn't call myself an introvert, but I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. I have learned how to be an extrovert, um, especially watching Greg, who is a natural <laughs> born extrovert. But a lot of pastors' wives that I've encountered over the years, they're very much like that, and they don't ever want to be in front of the room. They don't want to teach. They don't want anybody. You know, they they're more private. And so, how? You know, that's a, a line they walk your mom, obviously didn't always feel the freedom to say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, she didn't know how to say no. Right. But I think in today's world, I know I feel the freedom mm-hmm. to say, like, I don't work VBS because exactly, yes, that's just... Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I just don't for right. so You know, and I no longer feel like I have to apologize for that because right. there are other things, other ways that God does yes. use me. So yeah. it's okay mm-hmm. to be shy and quiet. I mean, there are ways that wives can, you know, you can sit in the back of the room and just talk to somebody who's yes. also feeling yes. overlooked. Or,
1: Well, I am an introvert by nature. Most people would not believe that but i am an introvert but being an introvert or an extrovert doesn't give you a privilege to not love people and you can love people which i dearly love people and i think you know that I, uh, yes and being an introvert being an introvert is just means that you recharge a different way than an extrovert and you enjoy quiet alone times. And that's how you refresh and recharge so that you can go out and be that extrovert that you need to be with your people. And um, I love the church. I love people. But when I've had enough, I need to go home and replenish and refresh and renew.
0: Well, I do like what you said about just because we're an introvert doesn't give us a... uh license to ignore people or or not participate in things or to always be in the, in the sidelines. And I have had, you know, when you're the new pastor's wife coming in, they always compare you to the previous pastor's wife. And, <laughs> really? Oh my <laughs> goodness, yes. Um, and, you know, you sometimes hear things about Yeah, you know, she didn't ever talk to me, or she never came. We didn't even see her in the building ever. Yes. You know, and that's not really... No, that's not good. Mm -mm. That's where
1: I go back to that visibility. Right. Just being visible. You know, most people would be shocked at this, but um, for all the years that we were here, I never led women's ministry. And many times it seems to fall into the hands in the lap of the senior pastor's wife to lead the women's ministry. I never felt called to lead the women's ministry. But was I there? You better Mm -hmm. support that. Yes. I would be at the planning meetings. I would give input. I definitely showed up for every event. I was involved in Bible studies. I did my best to be as supportive, but that didn't mean that I had to be the leader, and so uh, this church gave me the freedom to do that, and we had people who were much better than I ever would have been. Mm-hmm. But that didn't mean that I wasn't a part of it. Right. It just meant that I didn't do all the planning, organization, all the all the work. I was never a paid staff member. It just means that I let somebody else who was really gifted lead our women's ministry. But I was a hundred percent supportive and always
0: there. Okay. Well, that's I try to be that too, and, <laughs> and try to not like at our church now we have a women's team in place, and the last thing I want to do is come in and disrespect what they've already been doing, and say, "Well, I've got a better way right. to do things," you know, right. and take it take over because, <laughs> yeah, we don't have to be in charge. No, of it to still be able to to support yes. it, you can support it without being in charge yes. of it. Oh no, friend, we're out of time on this episode. There's more good stuff to hear from Gina, though, particularly about navigating conflict and criticism. So, how about a bonus episode of Married to the Ministry? next week with the rest of this conversation. That way you won't have to wait two weeks to hear what else Gina has to say. And I'll put a link in the show notes for her book, which is called 10 Things Every Minister's Wife Needs to Know in case you want to check that out. So please meet me back here next week for more with Gina Floyd. And until then, while you're loving Jesus and loving your husband and loving your people, why don't you also look for a ministry wife to connect with? My prayer for you, This week, friend, is going to be that God will bring another woman into your circle, somebody you can pray with, somebody you can share words of encouragement with, someone else who also understands what it's like to be married to the ministry. So keep your eyes open for her.